said not magic beans. Look, let's just admit we both kind of got our wires crossed and commit to being clearer in the future. Jack, I'm sick of your irresponsible behavior. What the hell are we supposed to do with these anyway? Yeah, I knew you'd be mad, so I've asked the band Heart to explain these beans in a way you can dreamily digest. These beans come on when I close my eyes Every second of the night I live another life These beans asleep these cold outside They changed the word dreams to beans. I, I was hoping they'd change a few more words to pertain to our situation, but uh, I, I'm just happy they did this. Jack, this is ridiculous. Tomorrow I want you to go back out there and look for a job that pays actual money. These things are worthless. I know she's gone, but can you do the other one? What about beans? Don't you want someone to care about you? When I got you next to me Everybody and welcome to the Nightfly Podcast with me, Dave Juskow. June teeth. Apparently, taping on uh, that day coming out on Tuesday. I believe the tw- uh, crap. I never. How do I never know? Twenty first. Uh, what's the matter with me? I'm like incompetent when it comes to figuring out three days later. I guess because you know I'm not working anymore. I just don't know the days of the week. Certainly, if I was working again. I would absolutely know what day it was. I think that's what it comes down to. But uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to the program. My name is Dave Jessica. We said that already. I don't know why I'm repeating myself. It is a beautiful, beautiful week in New York City. I'm just talking about weather-wise, a picture-perfect week. It though, I mean, really, it's. I've been out. I went out three times this week, as if it was, uh, as if it was 2019. <laughs> hello. And I'll tell you one thing, when I came back from New Jersey on Thursday, I had to wait an hour to get in the Lincoln Tunnel, which you know what that tells me? Oh boy, everything's back. Yeah, that wasn't a thing. Now, coming back from Jersey, I could leave wherever I was at, you know, four o'clock, five o'clock, it never mattered. You know, before 2019, I would have to schedule, I'm like, well, I either have to leave at two o'clock in the afternoon, possibly three, or seven o'clock. And not in between because you don't want to sit through traffic. And uh, on Thursday, I had to wait an hour to just to get in the Lincoln Tunnel. But I was okay with it because, you know, when you have that Waze thing just makes life easier. When you are expecting what time you are supposed to get in, when you know 
it really does help your mindset when you know there's traffic ahead it's very clear and you know it's it's the unexpected traffic which will drive you crazy every time and that's what makes people uptight let alone not knowing what's going on but in this day and age it's uh, pretty pretty easy to speculate or uh, figure out ahead of time where you need to be and what time and usually without any horrible extra occurrences but I hope everybody's doing all right in this June time. So it is June. I'm recording this on apparently what is now Juneteenth. I mention it multiple times as uh, I'm being a little possibly, uh, you're probably saying, well, which direction is uh, Dave just going to go with this? Well, I just found out what it was. (laughs) I mean, they could mention Juneteenth a hundred times, and I had no idea what the hell they were talking about until I read it in the post yesterday. And apparently it's in... uh, you know, to celebrate the end of slavery. I had no idea, no idea what Juneteenth was. I actually thought, because I was uh, actually with uh, Lee, uh, Gayly, who we, you know, call straight Lee as the gag, and Memo yesterday, and they were making fun of me because I thought it was a gay pride day. And I'm like, oh, what is this? Which is <laughs> just as bad as if you found out and say, oh, we're celebrating the end of slavery. Oh, what is this? But no, you know, so when I read it in the post, and I found out what it is. And I mean, what kind of old middle-aged white man do you have to be to not figure it out until the actual day of the holiday? Uh, do you have to be so in your own world? But I, when I found out what it was, I'm like, you know what? That is a holiday I can put my wrap myself around. That's a good holiday, you know? I mean, after all the shit we've been hearing from everyone, whether it be Jews or blacks or gays or whatever, and they all want this and they all want that. Uh, You know, I was like, what is this? Another, what are we doing? Another holiday? What are we taking down? Another statue? What's happening? I was like, well, wait a minute. Now, this is a good idea. In fact, why didn't we do this sooner? Uh, You know know how depressing it is between Memorial Day and Labor? No, 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 no. The depressing is after Washington's birthday. That's, That's when they should do it. After President's Day, they should have they should have this in, in well, I guess you can't do because it, it was the day. So, but if you had it in March or April, people that would make people happy because there's nothing. You know, you get upset after President's Day. You get upset. I'm talking about you're talking about from Labor Day, right? Everybody's happy, right? You got Labor Day. You got technically Columbus Day, which ain't a thing anymore. But nobody cares. It's the fall. It's a good time. You got Thanksgiving, you got Christmas, you got New Year's. And then after New Year's, you get a little depressed, right? But then you got um, MLK Day, right? You're like, all right, great. Well, I mean, this is what I'm talking if you're working, if you're a normal person like I was for the past 30 years. You're like, all right, we got MLK Day. Then we got President's Day. And then you're like, now it's just going to be a bad time until Memorial Day. This sucks. Living stinks. So if you had another holiday, you know, in March or April, people, I think people would uh, really go for that. But... Because in May, you know, you got May, then you got the 4th of July, and then you got uh, Labor Day, so it's not that big a deal. But if they are going to make this a national holiday or whatever the plans are for, I mean, it is a good holiday. This is a good one. There's no reason for this country not to recognize the end of slavery. It's uh, fucking brilliant. I can't believe nobody ever thought of it before. This seems like the right thing. But here's another thing I was thinking, as racist as this probably is coming off, I, I went, I, so I went to go vote. 
I went to go vote in Manhattan um, Wednesday. You can get early voting. The election day is on Tuesday. Oh, the 22nd. Okay, that must be what it is. Wait, is it? Wait, today's Saturday. Sunday? Maybe it's the... No, it's June 20... Oh, then maybe... Oh, my God, I can't see. It's the 19th today. That's why. (laughs) Okay. Oh, doctor, my eyes are going crazy. Anyway, I went to go vote, early vote. This is hilarious. Where do you hear this? And I don't know if you, what you know about New York or anything, but, you know, we're electing a new mayor and we're electing the Manhattan Borough presidents, which I wanted to run for. And let me tell you why I have been not able to put it together. I will tell you exactly why. So they have early voting. So I go down Wednesday and it's like far down, you know, I got to take the city bike down there. It's not, you know convenient like it is in my neighborhood even though that's not convenient because like i told you you have to go up to the fifth floor you gotta take this very slow elevator it's just a nightmare so i go down for early voting on wednesday and like i've told you before i guess when i'm in the primaries when you're voting in the primaries which this is i'm a registered republican and apparently i'm the only one in new york city i don't know maybe there's three of us there certainly ain't anybody in my building uh, although I wonder if Bob is, uh, I don't know. Anyway, so I go down and I think I just confused every, I was the only one in the place and I'm pretty sure because of the early voting and nobody's really going, there was nobody there. It was certainly much different at the presidential election. I didn't have to wait on any line. I walked right in, went right to the booth. I mean, it was unbelievable. There was nobody there. They were sleeping. This huge gymnasium, they were all asleep. So I go over and I give them my card and they're like, is this correct? And I'm like, yeah, it's correct. You know, <laughs> like, And they print out the sheet for you. And I go to the thing and there's only one person to check. One person. That, that's all I went down to vote for. I could only check one thing. New York City has a new ranking system. You're allowed to rank who you like first and your first choice, your second choice, all that kind of stuff. There was nobody for me. I was like, oh, this is going to take some time. I got to be, you know, I'm like, uh, let me look at all the candidates before I go. And I, I forgot. It's a primary. I can only vote Republican. So I, there was no Manhattan Borough president to vote for. There, there was, and there was only one candidate for mayor, and it was Curtis Slewa. Now, if you are listening and you live uh, in this, you know, tri-state area, then you know who Curtis Lee was. If you're from out of town, Curtis Lee was this guy in the 80s who started this organization, which was, I thought, an excellent organization. And a lot of people didn't like it in the 80s, but I, they made me feel safe. They were called the Guardian Angels. And they used to wear these red berets and they used to patrol the subways and it made me feel safer. But I remember my friend Mike Rice was like, how do you feel safer? They're always scuffling with the police or something. I'm like, I don't know. They make me feel safer. And Curtis Sliwa became kind of a phenomenon in a way. He married this really hot girl, Lisa Sliwa. They're divorced now, but she was hilarious because she had, you know, she was really pretty like a model, but she had that tough talking accent. You know, I'm sitting there on the D train. It ain't moving. I say, Curtis, what's going on here? But she's like gorgeous, you know, so it was really kind of funny. Back in the day, this is back in the 80s when things were very similar I brought up and we elected a black mayor. This is what's bothering me. I know this sounds horrible. I'm stating the facts to you guys. We elected a black mayor who wasn't the appropriate mayor at the time. Talking about David Dinkins. 
who, as you know, I have met. This guy is, was, you know, he's dead now. He just died. But we met, and this guy was the greatest guy. As I've told you about Bill de Blasio, I bet you this is a fun guy to hang out with. Just like George Bush, President George W. Bush. These are probably great guys to hang out with. But they shouldn't be in charge. You know what I'm saying? So I'm worried there's this guy and his name is Eric Adams and he's the forerunner and the Post has him as the guy. And I don't know anything about him. All I know is there's a lot of talk, especially from Christopher Bonanos, who, you know, we have in the Billy Joel podcast, who does the New York magazine, that he might live in Jersey and he's running. And there's a lot of corruption involved. And I'm just nervous that we're electing a black mayor, possibly, who might not be the right candidate, but we need a black mayor at the time, which I get also completely. I mean, I'm I'm sure he'll be fine and good, and I'm sure he's a good guy. But I'm just saying, when I saw that, it reminded me of that Dinkins thing and what a disaster that was. And I've told you on this podcast before, you know, when you're electing somebody because of just their race and not because of, you know, how they will be in the job, Things are just going to get bad, no matter who it is. If we're electing Andrew Yang because he's Asian and now's a good time for an Asian mayor, you're still doing it for the wrong reasons. Although I do think he would be okay, but of course that's fishy too. I mean, where is this guy? He just registered. He got a. He's rich. He got a place in New York City. He goes now. I'll run for mayor. It's like Hillary Clinton did. You know, it's like well, we're going to get a place in New York and I'll be able to run for Senate. It doesn't seem fair, does it? That's why I'd be the perfect candidate for Manhattan borough president even though I have a New Jersey driver's license. But I do live here, and you all know it. So anyway, that all uh, being said, I go down, and I can only vote for this guy, Curtis Sliwa. And no Manhattan Borough president candidates, no other male mayor candidates, not Eric Adams or Andrew Yang or whoever the hell else is running, a bunch of jerk-offs uh, who I've seen over the years who just stink. Scott Stringer, ugh, what a piece of crap he is. And his campaign is stupid. Everything about this guy's stupid. And but it's so so. I bring the folder. I just to check what I'm looking at the other side. I'm like, wait, what's going on? I forgot. I forgot. I was in the primaries and I can't vote for anybody else. Right? It's like the time Sarah Silverman got mad at me because I could only vote for Trump in the primaries, and she's like, well, how could you? Don't vote then. I'm like, not an option. Not an option. You got to keep voting. You got to keep your record clean. So in case I want to run. So I bought the uh, the thing over to the people to scan it in. And they're like, well, where's your other sheet? And I'm like, what other sheet? I only got one. And then they realized, they're like, oh, oh no, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Because I guess the Republican candidates only get the one sheet. I mean, what a waste of paper. What a tremendous waste of paper. One candidate's a huge, long, expensive paper sheet. Yeah, not cool. Uh but it was really funny. I think I just rocked that place. They're like, well, we had well, we had that one Republican guy come in, remember? Oh, that was an interesting day, Wednesday. But it was so funny. I was just not expecting it. And I just told my friend Hatem, who does the Live from America podcast from the Comedy Cellar, of the situation. I didn't know he was a registered Republican. He goes, what? I can't vote for anybody. There's only one? What about that other guy? I'm like, oh, all right. That guy's on there, too. But I, Nobody's ever heard of them. So if if I have to rank, <laughs> it's just it's one and two. And that's it. There's some guy I never heard of. But if you see this guy, Fernando something, and you see his ad campaign, oh boy, would he be a mess. 
But uh, so that is hilarious. But I was just thinking it's, it is funny because it is really about the same time we always we think people forget stuff over the years, you know, and we think, boy, this is a really bad time of unrest here in the city, here in America. There's a lot of stuff going on, but it happens all the time. That's the way New York City was in 19, what, 88 when Dinkins took over or was it 92? I can't remember. I think it was 88. And there was a time of racial unrest. Well, there's always a time of racial unrest, but it was a a bad time here. There was the Crown Heights thing and the Howard Beach thing and all this stuff. And we needed a black mayor to smooth things over. And I mean, it's just like people think like, oh, it's never been like this, but it's always like this. Every, just like the Godfather, it's got to happen every five years or so, but it happens like every 30 years or so where we kind of uh, forget that things are pretty bad and then they get a little better. And when I say better, they really don't. We just forget about stuff and then we move on and then they get better again. But maybe this Juneteenth will, will help things. It is a good idea to acknowledge the end of slavery or slavery in general and and uh, our country is kind of bad in that sense. We have a bad history, but I'm pretty sure most countries do. That's how things used to get started, and I'm just glad I didn't live during those times. They all seem bad. You know, no air conditioning, no TV. Oh, those are times Dave Jessica doesn't want to live in. People say, why don't you like, um, what's what's the, uh, the the one on HBO, the, the, the medieval shit? What, what's the matter with me? I can't think of it. Uh, Game of Thrones. So why don't you like Game of Thrones? I'm like, because Dave Juskow doesn't want to re- be reminded that it's possibly he could have been living during those times. Dave Juskow could not survive during medieval times. How come you don't like Westerns? Because Dave Juskow doesn't want to be reminded that if, if he didn't pop out now, I don't know about reincarnation, but if he didn't pop out like at this point, he would have had to live in the wild, wild west and he would not have survived. So this is a good time. The only thing better would have been probably to be born. Well, see, it's tough because I was when I was born, I grew up in the 80s, and that was the best time to grow up. So it's difficult to say. But, you know, it would have been better to grow up with much more TV and DVD access and video games. That would have been a good time. <laughs> so, but again... Yeah, if you have to go through a pandemic, as we talked about, then this was the year, 2020, absolutely, the future. My 1980s self saying, like, well, if I had to be quarantined for a year, uh, it would be all right if uh, there's TV and movies. We've talked about this a hundred times. I can't believe people just don't seem to get it. <laughs> like, Wait, you're saying I can watch anything ever taped or recorded uh, just by pressing a button? Yeah, that's right. 2020 is going to be unbelievable. 2020 is going to be unbelievable. That Jake Jewel is so awesome. That's my Nicolas Cage. So anyway, that was my uh, voting story, and the actual vote is on Tuesday, and I guess we'll see what happens. I'm pretty sure my candidate doesn't have a chance, but that's one of the reasons I didn't, you know, I'm like, well, if I'm thinking about dipping my toe into the Manhattan Borough President thing, which I certainly was honestly thinking well, there wasn't even one Republican candidate because I guess they all know they're going to lose. So I've always been like, should I switch parties? You know, especially after the, the Trump fiasco and stuff. I'm like, should I switch parties? I'm embarrassed, um, you know, with some of his uh, stuff. It still wasn't bothering me until the end, as you know. 
Uh, and, you know, I see a lot of these Republicans with the religious stuff, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to be a part of this. But then there's a bunch of Democrats. I'm like, I don't want to be a part of this. So, but I know if I switch parties, I could run. And because I know I'm not going to win. I, I, if I'm on, you know, who's voting in the primaries? Just me? I don't even know. I, you know, it just doesn't seem like it's like, it seems like a waste of time in many ways. Um, I, I mean, I couldn't even believe there wasn't one candidate that's Republican. They're all Democrats because they know that's how it works here. It's a Democratic city, whatever. But then there's, of course, the choice where I'm like, well, it is hilarious going to the polls and being registered as, as the only Republican in town. And people get so angry, especially when I was in my building at the prime that I had to go to a different table. Like, wait, you're what? I mean, there is something to that that is absolutely priceless. <laughs> people just get so angry they kind of want to keep it up so it's hard to uh change but uh i don't know i i wouldn't i really think i could win as a manhattan borough president nobody knows who's running or who's what's happening nobody knows any of the candidates i'd be a good candidate i uh you know i could be out with the people not now but uh you know in four years or whatever Okay, let's talk about this week. Last week's uh, Comedy Cellar show was terrific, kind of. I mean, it was good. It was good. It was Bonnie McFarlane and Rich Voss, and they were hilarious. They were hilarious. It was just, they, it was so funny. Rich is so funny. He's like, slow down with your PowerPoint presentation. And then we go back, and Bonnie was so funny. She's like, so you told him to slow down, and then we went back, and you had no material. He goes, hey, you know, it was real. The, the, the two of them as husband and wife are hilarious, like really hilarious. So I thought it was a pretty good show. This week, uh, Colin can't be on. Ladies, Colin won't be on. He just has something to do. So what are you going to do? I was thinking about you know bringing in a friend of mine, another musician, and I'm like, you know what? Colin can't be replaced. So we'll just uh, do it without him. We have Dave Landau, who's a terrific comic, as Rich Voss said at the end when we promoted it. And um, Jamie LaBella from uh, Fox Business News, who's such a cutie pie. And I guess Colin doesn't, you know, he also doesn't care if somebody from Fox is coming on either, but that's not why he's leaving. And I'm like, well, how could you hate a cutie pie like that? And she really is adorable. And, uh, you know, she's just texting, when are you going to have me on? And I'm like, nobody ever does that. So I was like, oh, how about Tuesday? And then, of course, the week after that, we go back to awesomeness with Greg Fitzsimmons and Rachel Feinstein. Now, that's a show. And then we have a musical guest the week after that so that show is continuing for now i assume there will be lots more days where colin can't make it now that things are opening up but you know we had a good six month run without him uh, having to leave and you know that's okay to take a little break from the uh, music aspect of the show yeah so wait, wait what do we got this week coming up on billy joel i think it's uh oh god it's uh christy lee one of the worst songs ever written, which I compared to the Kelly song from Cheers, spoiler alert, and Christmas in Fallujah. Yeah, uh, a Billy Joel song written in 2007 and sung by this kid, and we really delve into this kid. Like Elon was like, I think there's too much Cass Dylan talk. And I'm like, yeah, but isn't that the story? That Billy Joel, after all these years, hired a guy to sing his song and we've never heard from this guy again. Like he wins the golden ticket and no one's ever heard of him again. 
Isn't that the story? And he goes, well, I don't know. We really give. And I'm like, ah, shut up, Elon. That's all I tell him all the time. But Elon and I went on this. Uh, we went on this other podcast with these idiots. Man, I don't want to say that. <laughs> That's me. They were nothing but nice. But, you know, the, the only thing they're I guess they're out of the Midwest. And I don't think they care for comedy at all. Uh, but it's just that the, the guy that puts the show together. He's got a horrible microphone. You know that drives me crazy. It just helps. I even mentioned it one time. I'm like, is that microphone above your head working? That kind of shit drives me insane. You know it does. The host has got to have a great microphone, and it's been a year since COVID. You got to figure it out. You're the host of the show. We can't hear a word you're saying. So we did this trial by vinyl. That's what it's called. It's a great concept. And we're taking uh, this month for them, their show, was Billy Joel. It was the Stranger versus Glass Houses, uh, which is really a bad choice because no one's not going to pick the Stranger. He goes, that's the first time we've been unanimous because, because yeah, you're not going to not pick the Stranger. Glass Houses is a better album for me to listen to as a whole because maybe the Stranger's played out a little bit, but you can't put a price on the genius of one of the best albums ever made in the history of albums. It's a perfect album. Uh, so it's, that's, it was a stupid trial because the last one they had, which is a, a great contest, which was Van Halen 1984 versus Van Halen 5150. Great, great idea. You're talking about David Lee Roth versus Sammy Hagar. I can't believe that one wasn't there because I'll always go Sammy Hagar. But you can't deny that 1984, David Lee Roth, is, is a fantastic album. I just prefer 5150, although I'll tell you something. If I was voting, now that I'm thinking about it, I love the Sammy Hagar Van Halen years. Those are my favorite years. I know. Most people are just like, what are you talking about? I just, David Lee Roth was great. And there was something to it, but I love Sammy Hagar. You know I do. But that 1984 album is, is special and really put them into this unbelievable stratosphere of greatness and... Uh, we'll talk more about that in a second. I'm going to tell you a couple more things. A couple more things. Well, no, we'll wait a second. Let me just tell you about the uh, what happened um, on Wednesday, too. After I went voting, first of all, I've been helping my friend Lee Maracas because he had this surgery, which sucks. He can't swallow. You know, the funniest thing is we've been making gay jokes since we were kids because that's what people used to do. And so there's nothing funnier than this guy who I told you comes up with creative ways to call you gay in text like Rebus's has a problem with his sphincter, <laughs> but it's in his throat. There's apparently seven sphincters in your body. And one of them is problematic if you can't swallow, which, of course, if you can't swallow, you're going to die. So he had this surgery and his family, unfortunately, had a scheduled vacation and thanks to insurance purposes, a guy like this who has means, still like the cert the insurance was just like, I don't know. Like this is a life-saving thing. And they were like still contemplating. So they had to switch the surgery dates. And his wife and kids still had plans to go to Los Angeles. So he's alone recovering from surgery, which is the only time you want people around. Or me, you know, I mean, you, when you're sick, it's that's the times I'm like, oh, I wish I was married or I wish I lived with my mother. I mean, you know, when you're sick, you're, you're, you're a baby. You want to be babied. You want to be taken care of. So I've gone over there twice this week to, uh, you know, see how he's doing. And it's funny 
I was like, is there anything I can do for you? Because actually, I could use some help. But can you clean the litter box? And, you know, can you uh, take down this thing for me? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Then I realized, yeah, right. I should be doing stuff around the house. I guess I didn't think of it because he has a wife and kids. But they were away. I just haven't seen a sick person in a long time. The last time I went to somebody's house and I did their dishes was this girl, Colleen. And she had, was recovering from cancer. And we went over and I did the dishes for like hours. Because, you know, I don't mind doing that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, so I did that kind of stuff because that's what you're supposed to do. That's where they need people to come over, you know. I mean, I don't mind spending time with them at all, but it's just kind of funny to uh, – I'd forgotten, <laughs> you know, like – I guess because everybody I know is married now. It's not It's not like the old days, uh, you know, when, when people are alone, like myself or something. I know people did that for me when I was, you know, when you sit on a glass table like a moron. So uh, I was doing that, but then I took these really, you know, great walks from his house. He lives on Central Park West, and I walked through the park, and I walked like eight miles both of those days, and walked through the park on a beautiful day. It was so nice. I didn't even put on headphones. I was just like walking. It's nice and quiet in here. This is nice. But I was exhausted when I would get home. And then on Wednesday, you know, I just went to go vote. I was supposed to meet this girl down at uh, the bar that I hang out on Wednesdays. And it was so funny. I'm like, well, I go out on Wednesday. She's like, hey, can we meet and talk about something? And I'm like, sure. I go out on Wednesdays. <laughs> and she's like, well, that'd be great. So I go voted for because I'm just like, I can't sit around. I got to go out. So I go voted for. I'm still on COVID hours. I go voted for, and I'm at the bar by five. Then I'm like, yeah, I'm here. And she's like, well, what do you mean you're here? I Can we meet at eight? And I'm like, eight? Well, I'll be long gone by then. I... It wasn't occurring to me, this girl's like 25, it wasn't occurring to me that people weren't still going out early, <laughs> trying to get home early. I guess things are back to normal in that sense, but I love going out early and coming home early. That's all I want to do now. So I went there and then I waited for her, so I had an extra drink. Like I was drinking scotch on the rocks because that doesn't seem to bother me as much. And besides beer, because it always makes me want to go to the bathroom. So I had scotch on the rocks, then this kid was sitting with me. This kid was sitting with me, and he gave me LSD. He gave me a whole thing of LSD. I'm like, you don't make LSD, do you? He goes, yeah, I do. And he gave me a thing. He's like, take it. I'm like, take it? What am I going to do with it? He goes, I don't know. I don't want it back. Just take it. I'm like, LSD? Who makes LSD anymore? So I had this thing of LSD, and I'm like, um, I gave it to somebody else at the bar, and this girl like took some of it while we were sitting with her. She's like, she like, she's like oh, I'm going to take another one. I'm like, what are you crazy? I mean, it's a microdose, and I guess... What's old is new, but boy, I would not take that again. So I couldn't wait to give it away. It wasn't even a thought for a second that I was going to do that. But I guess it's a lot different nowadays than it used to be. But it was still, I suppose, made in somebody's bathtub. I, or I don't know. I don't know how people make shit these days. But that was a shocker. But uh, anyway, then I had another scotch because I was talking to this guy. And then she's like, oh, I'll, I'll come over. I'm over this place and I'll come over in a second. And so I'm like, ugh. I'm going to have to have a third one because I'm waiting for her. And then I just got, I was just, it was over. I was just wasted. I, I'm not used to drinking anymore, you know? So I just, it just keeps happening. So then by the time she came over, I was already drunk. Then we sat down and I had a beer and we were talking for a while. She came over like around 7.30. And uh, then some other people came over. Then outside Steve came over and Natterman came over. And like, you know, we just had a, a night. And I just kind of nursed my beer, and then I had another beer. So I had five drinks, 
And then she was leaving, and I'm like, where are you going? She goes, it's 11.30. 11.30? I'd been there for six hours. I had no idea. I really thought it was still, I thought it was maybe nine. I mean, that was unbelievable. I guess I was having a good time. I don't think I was having a bad time. Then I went over to the cellar to see outside Steve, say hello. And I was like, he was like, hey, why don't you sit down and have some water? It must have been noticeable that I was kind of walking around weird. Meanwhile, I was at the cellar. I didn't recognize anybody. I mean, I saw some people, but I was looking at the lineup. I don't recognize anybody. And Gilbert's wife called me yesterday. She goes, should we, we want to go to the cellar? And I'm like, why? Nobody Gilbert's nose is there. And she goes, no. And I'm like, no, nah, it's different there now. Something's wrong. There's a lot of new kids, which is fine, but it's just, there's something wrong. Like the, the table isn't the same or whatever. I don't know. Maybe it's over in the sense of, uh, you know, the hang there. Well, I don't know. It's hard to say. But anyway, I didn't recognize anybody. Like not one person on the late night list. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to leave. And then I was trying to take the Revel bike home because it was only 1130 and they closed at 12. Because I'm still not taking cabs or Ubers or anything. I mean, I'll take an Uber maybe once in a while, but you know, I'm still planning on taking the bike and the motor scooter. And there was something wrong with their app. And I'm like, oh, you guys suck. So I had to take the bike home, which I was glad about because then, you know, it, I could sober up a little bit. But of course, you know, riding that way is hilarious. But I enjoy it. And I came all the way home. And I, oh, I got two falafels. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I'd eaten all day. Because normally the plan is to have two drinks at that bar, come back home, and have two slices of pizza, and that's the that's Wednesdays. But now with everything opening, I, I it's uh, I don't know. But I still looked at it as a good day. But I was really hung over the next day, and I was the cleaning lady was coming early. You know, I had to clean for the cleaning lady. Everybody knows that. Then I went to see my mom, and I was like, I'm sorry, I'm hung over. <laughs> but it was great because then we went to the diner and it was awesome. Uh, I did not have the seniors, the senior citizen special, but I had the lunch special. So I got chocolate pudding at the end. And I'll tell you that chocolate pudding is very filling, very filling. <laughs> oh, I don't know. And so, yeah, then when I went back, there was all this traffic it was horrible. This is uh, not exciting. But uh, so yesterday being Friday, I finally saw Straightly, who I haven't seen in a year and a half. And they live, you know, out in Queens and Jackson Heights. And, you know, they haven't come out since COVID. And I said, why don't we meet at the Korean fried chicken place that our friend Young owns? It's called UFC, Unidentified Flying Chicken. It's amazing. I mean, I, there's probably podcasts where I was telling you about how we had a place in the Westville, in the East Village, and then it got flooded. It was awful because we, our firm was ordering from, I made them order from there because it was so delicious and amazing. So good, these Korean fried wings. Oh, you get the soy garlic or the hot. Oh, they were delicious. And they give you flights of beer there. It was great. So we met him in Memo. And I said, um, I was texting him on Friday. And I'm like, do you have any problems meeting at 5 o'clock? And he's like, no, I love it because we're so old. We're like, yeah, 5 o'clock sounds great. So it was perfect. I knew I had to go really far. So I knew I had to get the bike and then the Revel. And so I left at 4. And I just made it. I left at four and got there at five, but you know, you really have to go far into Queens on the bike, but it was fine. It was a perfect day. And we were there at five and we ate this great food. The wings were amazing. Then I had this bulgaki, bulgogi. I, I always say bukaki and <laughs> they hate that. 
when I first walked in, the lady wouldn't let me use the bathroom. And then I, um, I'm like, I just want to wash my hands. Like, no, we don't have a bathroom. And I'm like, well, I'm going to eat here. Can I wait here? And she was so mean. So then I called the owner and I'm like, you guys don't have a bathroom? He goes, what are you talking about? I'm like, I don't know. She won't let me use the bathroom. Oh, boy, did she get in trouble. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was, I, I'm so sorry. I thought, this is horrible. I know I'm doing awful, um, hilarious imitations, though. But this, God, this damn, this food was so good. I cannot wait to go back. I cannot wait. It's so good. UFC. It's in like Jackson Heights Flushing. Unidentified flying chicken. Isn't that hilarious? And my friend Lee is going to build a bar over it. And uh, like run like a little nightclub up there. It should be fun. So we went, but they, you know, they, they, at seven o'clock, we we're all like, "Oh my god, it's seven o'clock already!" And and we all just went our separate ways. I mean, I had to go back home, you know, travel all the way back, and then of course I get a call from everybody, you know, like Sarah Silverman's in town. Like I knew she was filming a movie here, but she wasn't supposed to be in Manhattan, so I didn't think I was going to see her. And then she's like, "Oh, what are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, come on! I just took a bike ride. It, the night's over for me." And then, um, you know, Gilbert's wife calls, hey, you want to hang out with us at this? I'm like, no, what is happening? No, the night is over. Why wasn't I getting these calls, you know, yesterday or the day before? You know, I can't do spontaneous stuff. I'm mad. I might have to go out to dinner with Sarah tonight. You know how I love doing these Saturdays, do the podcast. I edit the podcast. I put out all my tweets for the week and then I usually make tacos. And she's ruining my Saturday by showing up. I'm supposed to go to my sister's my sister's having a party tonight. They have an outdoor party every year. And I know my sister and I haven't been talking, but lately we have a little bit. And I don't want to go, but it has nothing to do with the fact that we're not talking because we'll, we'll be fine once we get there. But I just, I wasn't in the mood to see who she invites. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they're all nice people, but I just wasn't in the mood. I'm not either. I'm not ready, or I just wasn't in the mood to meet her or to see her neighbors and the people she knows in these couples that have kids. You know, I think I think that was the uh, the issue. I, I just uh, for years I've never cared, but there I think there's something about COVID or whatever I'm going through right now where I don't want to hang out in suburbia with people that have kids. And they're all in college, and they're going to tell me that their lives are. I don't, you know what I'm saying? I don't know how to explain it, but I think a lot of you get it. Um, it's just not the right time for me. So I feel bad because I want to see Doria will be there, and uh, Mary Marvel, who we call it, who's the head of Marvel, uh, would be there, and I love her, and uh, this other woman, Karen. So there's like three people I would like to see, but it's just not worth it. I feel bad because I, I really hope Beth's not taking it in the wrong way, but maybe I'll just call her and explain that's that's the reason. But now I can go out to dinner with Sarah, and it'll be nice to see her because I haven't seen her in a year. So uh, I guess that's what I'm doing this evening. Tomorrow I might go to brunch in Astoria. I invited my dental hygienist out to go with me. I don't know. It's Father's Day. I don't give a shit about Father's Day, but I've heard other people do. I have no idea why. I can't for the life of me figure out why. What is the matter with these people? What is with these people? So when we were talking about Van Halen before, you know, it's so amazing uh, when people reinvent themselves, you know, and that's certainly what Van Halen did. I mean, even with the 1984 album, that was a reinvention of sorts. 
what they do because Eddie Van Halen added in the keyboards, which was something that wasn't part of their usual thing. It was all guitar. And he goes, I, could, I mean, this guy was the true musician, you know? Whatever you think of musicians, and if you're, you know, I mean, we all know Eddie Van Halen was an unbelievable, masterful guitarist, but he was a musician. So when he decided, I want to go with the keyboards, which I think is where he started, he's like, let's let's bring in keyboards. And, you know, David Laurent's like, no, 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 it's going to ruin it. But it they grew as a band, and that's the kind of stuff, that's such forward thinking. And then when David Lee Roth left, they're like, we don't need you. And then, you know, I thought their stuff with Sammy was amazing. I mean, think about it. They made like three or four, but the most singles and the greatest stuff chart-wise they ever did. After David Lee Roth left. And David Lee Roth clearly didn't know his worth and should have been grateful, like uh, I always say about Stuart Copeland and Sting, like that he got to work with Eddie Van Halen and he should just shut up and do his job. (laughs) Whatever. So I guess, uh, so Sarah Silverman is coming on our Billy Joel podcast in a few weeks because we talk about Code of Silence, which is a Billy Joel song with Cyndi Lauper. And uh, Sarah and I did a cover of it many years ago, and she was kind enough to come on the podcast and talk about it a little bit. We Really great revelation on the podcast, too, and uh, more to come on that. You'll see in uh, about two, three weeks. We were talking about, I, I don't know how it came up, but we were talking about bands. And we, you and I have had this talk on the podcast before about women rockers, you know, ones that write their own music. So there's very few Chrissy Hines in the world who form a band and write all the songs and really are the integral piece of the band. Or even Stevie Nicks. She didn't form the band, but she wrote stuff. Her and uh, the other girl, Christine, uh, I can't think of her name at the time, but you know what I'm talking about. The other, oh, it's funny, because that's a band, besides Lindsey Buckingham, the two women in the band, Christine McVie, uh, wrote, all the other tunes. That Mick Fleetwood did nothing. See, there's a guy that gets it. He was like, boy, did I luck out. I know I formed the band. I'm glad my name is in the title. But goddamn. <laughs> so it'd be like me forming a band where I could just sing. And I got like all these unbelievable prolific songwriters. Or if I just play the tambourine and I'm like, boy, did I get lucky Sting is here. Whatever the case may be. We were talking about that because it's just so far and few where uh, women, I'm not talking about people like Sheryl Crow that, sure there's women singer-songwriters, but I'm talking about women that were, you know, in rock bands. I, I don't know if Joan Jett, maybe you know, she, Sarah mentioned Joan Jett, but I you know, it's, there's not a, I don't know whether she wrote a lot of her stuff. I think she did. I think she did, so don't get angry. But um, th- there's not a lot of examples. And if there are, you know, bring them in. Let me know. Tell me on Patreon or Twitter or whatever. Um, but they're, they're few and far between. Obviously, it's a man, man-dominated man world. Uh, and now the worst part is, uh, I don't think it'll ever happen again because just there are no bands anymore. Nobody's a band. It's all just singer-songwriters. And we were playing Dua Lipa up top, and, you know, it's just singer-songwriters. That's what, and we don't even know if she wrote the songs. I'm hoping she did, I guess. But there's, that's all that's... There's no bands anymore. I don't think there's bands anymore. Unless, uh, again, you can tell me, but... Who forms a band anymore? Nobody. I feel like I'm missing something, but I don't know. I don't, maybe just nobody plays rock anymore. And if you're going to rap, you're not in a band. And if you're going to sing the kind of music that Dua Lipa and Ariana Grande sing, you're not in a band. So I don't think they have bands anymore. 
But I was, uh, for some reason, doing some sort of deep dive, and I was thinking about heart. And I was thinking about Anne and Nancy Wilson, and I'm like, wait, do they write their own songs? Do, do they? That's an interesting one. And, and then I looked it up, and they do. I didn't know that. At the beginning, in their first incarnation, they wrote all of their songs. You know, I've never been a, a fan of their earlier stuff. I don't like any of that 70s hippie kind of stuff or whatever. I, I don't know what you call it. But uh, I am a fan of people that just, you know, uh, write their own stuff and they're interesting. And boy, they, I mean, they wrote some classics. You certainly know. And you can't uh, put a price on her damn vocal range and awesomeness of Anne. Meanwhile, who knew even that Nancy sings good too? But we, I mean, every, everybody knows this one. And I, don't, I mean, is that Nancy Wilson on the guitar? I guess so. I mean, it's pretty cool. You just don't hear a lot about women rocking out like that. We won't again. So that is off their first album called Dream Bone Annie. I mean, their first album, and they kick some ass. And it's a fascinating story about them because they, you know, again, uh, always, you know, we love stories about just problems with the record label, always problem with the record label, the record labels, the music industry has just been screwing artists, the, the stuff that we could have probably heard when people are happy and putting stuff together and how they screwed Prince and George Michael and, you know, I guess Hart and Billy Joel and, you know, it's funny where, you know, when you listen to the album, you don't see any problems, you know, like watching a movie and, you know, like, oh, they hated each other on the set. I'm like, oh, you'd never know that. Um, it is fascinating where people, I guess, are professionals, but that Dreamboat Annie has the two of them, their heads together with the, their bare shoulders and they're back to back. And I, the album... The, the guy who was running the album, I think it was called a Mushroom Label or something, they were out of Canada, said that they were incestuous lesbian sisters. And the girls were like furious. I mean, can you blame them? But it, you know, it is funny because you see the two girls together, then you, I can't believe people were thinking that way back then too. It's like, so they were like, so they're like, what? Because it happened again with Little Queen too. They had just that, having the two of them on the cover together and we all know they're sisters but for some reason this is what the reporters were writing i mean you can't blame them for being really angry 
I don't know why or where that something like that would start, but yeah, they were pretty angry, which is why. So they had this other album called Magazine. So they, apparently one of them followed, the, you know, it's always over a boy. So they followed a bunch of boys, which of course takes away some of their greatness because there's, you know, you're always stupid if you follow a boy anywhere. That's why they went to Canada. They followed a draft dodger to Canada. And that's why they, because they're American, but they went to Canada to record a couple of their albums, had this horrible label. That's what you get. You follow a draft dodger around, uh, you know. What is, boy, if I can't meet a girlfriend and this guy dodges the draft, I mean, what does that say? And these girls back then, oh, boy, were they something. And they write this, other, you know, they uh, make their next album. It's called Magazine, but it's like in pieces because the record company like totally like kind of screwed them. And so the other one is the most famous. It's called Little Queen. And that's because of the, the 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 cover and what they were saying about them and having this lesbian incestuous relationship. That's when they wrote Barracuda. Classic, right? I mean, you know, I, I don't ever want to hear it again in my life. Probably, it's not something I'm gonna put on my turntable. But we know how popular this song was, 1977. Ooh. And they went home and they wrote it. And they're like, "Screw this, guy, reporter guy!" And it's it's amazing, right? They were writing their own stuff. So then, uh, and then it just, uh, you know, this is the kind of stuff that really fascinates me, especially when there's a, you know, pretty good ending there, right? Another album, Dog and Butterfly, doesn't, then, then it's kind of over. It's not over, over, you know, but they're not, they're not doing great. So they write, they have all this stuff, and they write this Dog and Butterfly album, which, you know, has like uh, uh, maybe one hit on it. Because what, what, they, they say that the first half of the album is the dog part, like, which is a little rock, and then the second half is the butterfly, which, of course, you can do. When you're, you know, a girl band, but if the Foo Fighters did that, people would be very, they'd very upset by that. The album does really well, but there's no hits on it. You know, I mean, maybe there is. I mean, you know, you could, you know, you could be sitting there going, "What are you talking about? That's a great album." So then, in as soon as the, it's funny. As soon as the decade kind of changes, they just lose their power somehow. I, I don't really understand. And they make this album called Baby Baby Lestrange. And it doesn't do very well. It has this song on it, which I think everybody knows. It's still pretty cool.
Yeah, when it gets to the chorus, then I kind of remember it. But And it, it did well. The album did well. And then after that, they just kind of really just went downhill. I, I don't know why. I guess just, uh, you know, things changed. It was the 80s, and they're like, one album in 82, which was called Private Audition, which I remember at the radio station in the city, and they had this song called City's Burning. And I remember, and I remember, cause I remember the video, and it was awful. So I don't think it did well. I just, I can remember this song, and it was just like, ugh. Remember, it just goes, city's burning, city's burning. City's burning. I don't, you know, I don't know. It didn't do very well. I remember it just said, you know, there was no hype about it. There was nothing going on. And then... I, re- I remember like yesterday, this Passion Works album came out because I remember I, I had the album at home, you know, did, did horrible. But they had this unbelievable song that I still play in my car before I was even thinking about it. And it was written by Jonathan Cain from Journey. And uh, I, I love this song, but it didn't, the album was just not good. And it just, uh, but, you know, because it's different, but I. This is like I guess it's like a Broadway song, so I It's got piano, I'm a sucker. Every time I'm a sucker. It's hard to get straight Between the lines right. The homeland cries and struggles with confusion. But this like that as a power ballad and then you can kind of see like kind of where they might be heading 
after that because you know but then then it's that transformation and we all know where it's heading where they're they just you, you got to see the videos these guys, I mean they just became a glam rock band and it's like the girls weren't treated as girls they were like just like a guy glam rock but they were just like Bon Jovi or anybody else I mean they still the songs were female driven I guess which made it you know kind of a perfect blend but it's fascinating in the change they changed record labels and they had that hard album which of course was uh you know just chain turned everything around but the reason I bring it up is because then when their careers changed in this unbelievable path that would leave them down like a second career and greatness they hadn't even achieved, even with those hits that we just heard, they didn't write any of the songs. They didn't write one of the songs once they changed to glam rock and, and their careers went in a different direction. They didn't write any of them. It's so strange. I mean, uh, and they had three or four successful albums as this kind of new group, even though they were called Heart, and uh, didn't write any of the hits.
It's fascinating that uh, I can remember these videos like so well. They were so they were so uh, played so heavily on MTV. And then the uh, fascinating thing is this is their only number one. After all those hits, this is the only number one. Written by who? Bernie Taupin. I, li- I, 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 like, I, I like this song a lot. I think it's sung by Nancy Wilson, and I'm not sure why. I mean, I don't care, but it sounds fine to me. I wonder how they decide. They have a uh, version of a live version of this, but they do it like from about ten years ago. It's terrific. They really do it well live too. But Anne makes this very strange movement while Nancy's singing. I guess she doesn't know what to do if she's not singing, and uh, it's really obvious. It's really funny. Yeah, great song. Love the little keyboards, the little. Uh, I like that. I don't know what that is. I like that too. But yeah, that was their only number one hit. So you have What About Love, written by Jim Valance, who I can't think what he does, but he's been around for years. And I'm just not thinking in my head who he's worked with, of course. And then uh, Never. Never they they did write a little bit of. uh, But These Dreams, Bernie Taupin and Martin Page who I know our listener Martha likes. And uh, Nothing at All is written by somebody else. And uh, the other songs written by Nancy Nan Wilson, you know, we never heard from again. It's just really funny. And I remember, like, again, you know, I was a DJ at the station at the time. I remember, actually, one of my favorite songs was one that they, they released for a second, but it was more old-fashioned rock, not the... Uh, or maybe it was, like, glam rock, but it wasn't... It was more... Mm, Manly? I don't know how you would put it. I guess it was more of the stuff I liked at the time. You know, I like this kind of rock. I sing this all the time to myself. The, the, the chorus. But if this album, if this song was on the album and it was full of these kind of songs, it never would have done well. I still like it. You'd be lying on the floor. You'd be begging me, please, please don't hurt me no more. I haven't heard this song in years. It came back immediately. It's so 80s. It's so funny. It's so funny. They're so smart to figure that out. 
to just say, let's just be a glam rock band and sing songs that the boys are listening to in boy groups. Fucking brilliant. You got to love shit like that when people can adapt like that. So goddamn smart. By that time, of course, they could, you know, hire whoever they want and get the songs that they want. Fascinating. And then you would figure, you know, like, wow, they really got lucky. And then that second album after the, you know, after the reincarnation and the next, the follow up, you know, which, of course, is the hardest of all things. Like we talk about, you know, like bad English or something. I mean, you know, whatever. You have this one amazing album, super album. And then you'd, the second album, you know, I like, no one else cares for it. But this Bad Animals, just as, just as popular. I mean, unbelievably just as popular. Maybe even more popular. I mean, just fast and perfect with the, just the so, and this, I mean, it's unbelievable, but not written by them. And that last one, Who You Run To, is Diane Warren. I mean, she wrote every 80s song that we've ever heard of. Pretty sure she wrote that, what, the, the one from Armageddon, the... And Aerosmith and stuff And she, she wrote every song you know in the 80s This guy, Billy Steinberg Everybody knows <laughs> But it ain't the Wilson sisters It's weird are like overplayed songs but you know every one and this is actually one of my favorites you don't know it that well but it's written by this it's, it, this one was written by Nancy Wilson but she had help this girl Holly Knight who wrote like a bunch of like female power songs like a lot of Pat Benatar stuff Joan Jett I like it a lot. 
Really fascinating. And then, of course, they had that Brigade album, and you're like, well, come on, they can't have a third album. They, you know, you can't just have that kind of staying power all those years where you have another Smash album. But they, And it wasn't that great, but they had this song, which nobody wants to hear anymore. Nobody likes. They don't like it, but it, it I don't know if you remember, if you were alive then, but it was goddamn huge. was so popular but it only went to number two and i just remember like it, it's 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 about them a, a hitchhiker and a guy picks him up and this woman wants to get pregnant with a, a random person to have a baby <laughs> and nancy wilson are like yeah i think we fucked this up this is not a good it's not a classic message and then they just it's really funny then after that they went back in like 93 they opened a, another album and nobody nobody's ever nobody heard from them again after this they had another album and a couple more where they started writing their own songs again and then they were never heard from again it's really funny i don't know why it's just uh that kind of stuff uh it makes me laugh it's you know there's no reason or rhyme or anything of uh you know why it's uh but it's fascinating as soon as they started writing their own songs again it was over but it's really funny how they hate that song now. They just uh, were like, what were we thinking? It was so popular with girls, with, you know, stuff. I, I mean, remember because I guess I was working at this place and I met all these girls and I filmed the video of this. I mean, it's got to be somewhere where I did a parody on it and I was trying to give it to MTV because I knew some of the people there and I was trying to do all these parodies. I don't remember what happened with it, but I remember I, I filmed with this girl and I got in the car and she's all I want to do is make love to you. And I'm like, what? What? As a hitchhiker, I'm like, Pfft. yeah, I, did, I think I did the spit take gag. It was hilarious. I wonder where that is and who was filming it. I feel like we filmed it at the Meadowlands, but I don't know why. I think I filmed that one and the, and the Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> this jersey town what i can't remember what that song was i did parodies for that one i was doing for comedy central about the devils possibly leaving new jersey and i was really upset boy things could have been so much better for me if i had just been 
more diligent with stand-up comedy. I just didn't care. But fascinating story of heart. Boy, you know, you'd like to talk to those girls. They lived, must have lived quite the life. I don't know how old they are. I guess I was looking also at Grace Slick the other day, too, because I was thinking of that stupid, uh, we built this city and, you know, how she started in a, you know, very much like heart where she kind of like made it to this stratosphere of greatness at 45 you know with the with the, the, the we we built the city and the stuff after and then of course that mannequin song i mean it's just i i i don't know whether that could happen in these days to have a a smash hit at the age of 45 especially for a woman uh quite frankly at this point for anybody it is a young person's game and the only people that are old that are left are the ones who are left from when they uh had smashes when they were younger, although I did hear today the Foo Fighters are making a disco album and they're going to call themselves, was the Foo Fighters? Yeah, they're calling themselves the DGs. That's right. Dave Grohl, I guess. The DGs. Dave and the Grohls. So that should be fun. I will uh, have one last thing. Oh, yes. This is interesting. Uh, I was, re- the, the, the guy, remember there's a Bruder film from, you know, the JFK being assassinated. The guy that, this is so interesting. The, so Zabruder so is the guy that caught the, however many minutes it is, of the actual assassination. You know, the only tape that was available. And there was, here. so here it is. Dick Stoley, his name is the legendary journalist who landed the Zabruder film. Uh, he just died Wednesday at the age of 92. He was the editor of the Los Angeles Bureau of Life magazine at the time. And he flew into Dallas a few hours after Kennedy was shot because he was, you know, the editor of a very important magazine. Life was a big pictures magazine at the time. Uh, He said, I'm just going to do this, the only film record of the assassination. Getting his hands on the film was a combination of luck and skillful gumshoe reporting. I got a phone call from a life freelancer in Dallas called Patsy Swank. And the news she has was absolutely electrifying. She said that a businessman had taken an eight millimeter camera out to Dealey Plaza and photographed the assassination. I said, what's his name? She said, she didn't spell it out, but I'll tell you how it's pronounced. It was Zapruder. I picked up the Dallas phone book and literally ran my finger down the Z's and it jumped out at me. The name spelled exactly the way Patsy had pronounced it. Zapruder. Stoley said Sabruder had taken the film to Kodak <laughs> for overnight developing. He took it like to a photo mat. <laughs> that's, that's fucking classic. He took it to like a photo mat booth. What are those little photo mat booths in the, in the malls they used to have? Yeah, I want to get this uh, developed. It's, uh, what is it? It's a picture of the president getting assassinated. Don't worry about it, but make sure you don't tell anybody. Um, he had three copies made. Stoley was the first reporter to contact Sabruder, but not the only one. Sabruder told him to come over at 9 a.m. the next morning. Stoley said he showed up at 8. When he arrived, the Secret Service was there and took two copies. Other reporters had caught up to Sabruder as well. Stoley said he always wondered why the Secret Service did not confiscate all the copies. Excellent question. 
He offered Sapruder $150,000 for the reel to be paid out in yearly installments of $25,000 over a six-year period. Sapruder said Stoli had been the most polite of the reporters who contacted him, and he also trusted life to be a good steward. Sapruder had captured 486 frames over 26.6 seconds, and after they struck the deal, the pictures were run frame by frame in Life magazine. Sapruder insisted that frame 313, I think this is fascinating, every frame you know is like looked at. Frame 313, which depicted the right side of the president's head exploding in red from the second sniper shot, be omitted from the original magazine run. Stoley was a lifelong believer that Lee Harvey Oswald was the lone gunman. Uh, But here's what he also says. I think the film helped impress upon the American people that JFK was dead. A still picture wouldn't have done that. America had to absorb all that. Stoley was eventually promoted to editor of Life, went on to launch People magazine in 1974, and then served as editorial director of Time, then the most important publisher in the U.S. Fascinating story about the guy that found that now legendary Sapruder film that we even make fun of when people have footage of that. Remember, that was the name I couldn't pronounce a couple weeks ago <laughs> when I was talking about Bigfoot being a, a little Sapruder film. That's a, it's become a, uh, a word in, uh, in, in, in his, history, like, uh, like, you know, like Juskow. Huh? Oh, I pulled a Juskow. Well, that's a pulled a Homer from The Simpsons. But yeah, what do, you, what do you got? Like a Sapruder film kind of thing going on? I mean, you know, it is... Uh, Fascinating. Great name. Classic. I didn't really realize. I didn't know the full extent of the story. Wow. Yeah, they look through every frame. Fascinating stuff. I think it's fascinating stuff. All right. Well, that's our show for today. I hope everybody had a splendid time. Anyway, uh, coming. All right. Well, that, yeah. So uh, this week, who do we have? We have Dave Landau and Jamie LaBella and her little dog, Tortellini. Everybody likes a new, a, a little pug action. And uh, the week after, Greg Fisher with Rachel Feinstein and uh, Billy Joel this week. Christy Lee, one of the worst songs ever. And what did I say? Christmas in Fallujah. So not a great week for Billy Joel, but that's what you get when you decide to do a Billy Joel A to Z podcast. Uh, the only shows I have coming up is uh, July 1st at the Westside Comedy Club. Please join us if you happen to be in town. Otherwise, I hope everybody has a uh, had a happy Juneteenth and a wonderful June. And hopefully it just remains perfect weather for the rest of the month. And then we have a nice hot summer. And then, of course... Dave Juskow's favorite time of the year, September. So that's the Nightfly for this week, June 2021. We'll see you all next week, everybody, on the Nightfly Podcast. Good night. Let's get this.